and welcome to uh, 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. Uh, my name's Hussein. Uh, this is a bonus episode, so you should know where to find my stuff and uh, all the rules I have around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Phoebe. Uh, you should also you should also know know the rules, but uh, just in case, just 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 in case you don't, uh, just just don't 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 be too weird. I'll I'll, I'll tolerate some weirdness. I assume that there is some inevitable weirdness in the relationship we have here. Uh, so that's like that's kind of a given. It's kind of table stakes, but like just like not too weird. Can can I, can I just add? So, okay, so the reason I brought up weirdness was because the other day I got a very weird post from a, from a fan of our show, um, and the post was not like about an episode. It wasn't about something that either of us mm-hmm. said. It wasn't really anything to do with the show. It was someone who was just like, "Hey, I work in like I'm I'm a I'm a developer, like a uh, you know sort of a coding developer, and I've um and I've developed this bot. Um, would you be interested in?" So I was like, "What does the bot do?" And uh, it turns out it is an it's it's called an abuse bot. Um, and it's I guess a kink related oh. thing. Um, but basically they wanted me to try out this sort of like abusive, like this sort of like kink abusive bot. Um, I don't really know much about it. Uh-huh. This is not my world. I'm sorry. Like I get very afraid of these things, and I haven't really engaged much with it. Well, um, I don't know if like you should approach someone that you don't know is into kink and ask them whether they want to be abused by this bot that you make. It seems like if that's not your kink, then that's a- abuse. That's abusive. Yeah, it's not your kink. <laughs> yeah, this is like yeah, it yeah. I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever also indicated that I've been into that type of stuff. I don't know if I have, and I've just forgotten about it. But like, um, I don't think I've ever sort of vocalized that I would like to be sort of like abused or dommed or anything, let alone by a bot that like a guy made. So if a woman made it. Yeah, though. I feel like mm, that's a different situation. <laughs> I feel like this is just a like, difficult situation <laughs> yeah. generally. Um, I'm confused. Honestly, I, I'm not even mad about it. I'm just confused about it. So what I'm going to say is that when I talk about don't be weird online, what I mean is like don't be weird in a way that confuses mm-hmm. me. Like I want to know what I'm in for, and I want to exactly know why you're being weird. So those those are my delineations. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, to whoever like sent the abuse bot, if you like subscribe to the show, uh, good luck with it. I guess. Um, I hope. I hope you find me. your audience. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's. A, that, I'm, I'm sure they yeah, will. That's a, good, that's, a, that's a good way of looking at it. I think. Yeah, it's just not me. Um. Anyway. Uh. Number one. Just before we intro our guest properly. Uh. I just wanted to say. Uh. To the subscribers of the show. Uh. Thank you so much for subscribing. We really appreciate it. Uh. All your support helps us to uh, do the show. It helps us to do it without ads, which we really appreciate. Um. I don't want to be hawking like mattresses or energy drinks. Uh. Or like. I don't know what else is hawked but, these days. Uh, a lot of like Vi- a lot of Viagra. Oh, apparently. yeah. Oh, uh, what is it? The hymns or whatever. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of that, like under or viral Bluetooth. tweets, and it's sort of it's been really weird. Yeah, it's been really strange. I don't know whether that's because of like how Twitter has changed, and now all the ads that you get are just like weird things and like different companies selling irony like T-shirts or whatever. I don't even know like the sort of like kind of. Uh, bad humor. Yeah. Take us back to stuff. the owl lamp but, days. I want just owl lamps under the under the viral <laughs> tweets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like even, I, I'm nostalgic even for like the nightlife, the, the, the night the yes. nightlight stuff. Um, I don't want like 
t-shirt like kind of t-shirts with like weird slogans oh, by Elon Musk every time like, I post about um, our t-shirt our like local Travoil t-shirt they post they yeah. they post links <laughs> telling people where they can get that t-shirt that are that's not from us uh there's like people ripping off the shirt no like, that's so, so bad no, you can't do Sorry. that Speaking of which, uh, speaking of which, I uh, I want to give our guest a proper introduction. Not least because even though um, you've been on the show before, I have not been on the show mm-hmm. with you because I think both times or the times when you were on, I was away. Uh, so uh, welcome to the show for the second time, uh, Amber Rollo. Uh, Amber's a comedian. She's also the co-host of Low Culture Boil. Uh, you may have heard of the podcast because Phoebe was on Low Culture Boil. Uh, so. Yep. Uh, it's 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 nice to it's nice to chat to you and it's nice to sort of like have you on and I'm I'm very happy that you're here. Uh, how are you doing? How's everything? Where Great! You are? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to have to to be on again and to to be on with you this time. Uh, I um, I'm doing well. Everything's great everything's gravy uh i did pick a tarot card for us before we started <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay. What, what, All right. What do let's, we get? Let's, tell let's, me. Is it a good one? Only tell me if it's go. a good one. I, I know. It's a great one. I know nothing. I know nothing about tarot. Uh, like it. Someone did tarot with me once, and I like. I, I was scared, but I don't know why. So you, let's, you're, let's ma- hope you're that making it sound again. like you were subjected to it. Someone did tarot to me once. I didn't like it. Oh, no. I didn't feel, <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> I didn't feel <laughs> comfortable. But, but, no, the the backstory was kind of like I was uh I was doing like a fellowship a few years ago and someone on that fellowship like had a psychic oh, as in yeah. like a psychic that they regularly consulted and so the psychic came up to where we were in upstate New York um and was giving everyone like readings and at the time I was just kind of like in a very weird headspace so my um the person I was living next to was like. You should talk to uh, Chrissy, the, uh, who was the psycho, who was the uh, psychic. Um, and so I did. And she showed me a bunch of cards. And I had very, all I remember was that there was a card that she did. And I can't remember what the card was, but it was just like, she kind of said, it seems like you're going to make a bad decision really soon. Oh. And I was like, you can't tell me that. Like, I'm going to be really anxious, yeah. like, for the next month. So, yes, yeah. don't, don't, don't do was, that. No. I, I was told when I was like, 12 i was told by like a fairground fortune teller that i would die before i reached adulthood (laughs) what that's awful did she then say that you 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 could pay her extra money to lift this curse off of you no she didn't she just sort of said yeah i'm really sorry really sorry to break this news to you and i was just like Oh my god! Well, I was like, oh my, oh my god! And then I told my parents, both of whom don't believe in anything, and they were just like, "Yeah, well, this is just bollocks." And I was like, "Yeah, but you don't know that." And they said, "Yeah, no, we do know that." It's yeah, fine. we do. We know it. We know it. <laughs> we it's, do. We absolutely, we absolutely know it's that. It's ridiculous. Then, there's no like real power behind any of these things. They're just uh, framing tools for how to like you know look at your day or like yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so if so if it just so happens that the uh, Finchley Carnival fortune teller is listening to this show, didn't die, bitch. Well, so, what if she was here. like, what if she was seeing, you know, the future of the millennial in general and how we never grow up? I think you're uh, completely right. I think that she was predicting the death of the millennial. Um, but when you're 12, that's not necessarily what you. That's not necessarily how no. you take that in. But tell us about tell us about what tarot card we got. Okay, <laughs> we us, got the six, us the interpro. 
the six of wands okay mm-hmm. and right. six of wands as you can see i'm holding it up yeah it's a it's a guy on a horse he has a wand he has a wreath on it he's there's a bunch of other wands next to him that are being held by other people so he's like leading them yeah um it's very celebratory as you can mm-hmm. see by the wreath it's very it's a very bright card um it it's a really good card actually it means like success in leading and inspiring others it means like great victory uh stupendous news um yeah it's a it's a great card so i think this podcast is going to uh lead people to to uh good things and greatness and uh we're gonna start a cult yeah great yeah why not why not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes we're gonna start a cult right uh but it's gonna be a a good cult Mm -hmm. okay it's not there's nothing there's no doom in this card so I think it should be fine. I think we'll be the first cult ever to be good and not devolve into madness. <laughs> is there is there any indication over who leads the cult? Only just because I feel like Phoebe would be the good cult leader. I don't think I'm confident or assured in myself enough to be a cult leader. Like I question myself maybe, too much. You'd be more of a right hand man, sort of. Yeah, yeah, but like one that kind You're of You're behind the scenes. No, I feel like Devin's more of the right hand person. I feel like okay. I'm kind of Yeah, I'm 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 like a devotee, right? Okay. Yeah. One of the one of the original followers. I'm the guy who says like, yeah, I knew them before they were a cult. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my, I like and my that. yeah, my clout is entirely dependent on my my clout is entirely determined by like the fact that I was like I have proximity, and mm, I just yes. want want to make everyone know that I have that and like I'm a, a, a real a real a real a real piggybacker yeah <laughs> type of situation. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, I I'd follow Phoebe. Oh, yeah. thank you, Amber. I'd follow yeah. you too. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you can be mutuals. Maybe there could be a, there's a digital platform somewhere where you can simulate that. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of digital platforms, um, I so uh, Amber, uh, we asked you, or like you know, well, there's there's tradition that we ask guests to like bring posts that they want to talk about. Um, and I think this this was this was a really interesting one because in a weird way it was like one of those. Um, and we were speaking about this just before we recorded. Uh, one of those stories that like you remember at the time and you remember it being like a really big deal at the time. And now like I barely remember any of it, despite the fact that like it was a really big deal in terms of like internet culture history. And I remember that there were lots of sort of pieces written about it at the time. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just very interesting that like I literally remember nothing now about it. So I'm going to try like describe at least the first post and then uh, Amber, you can sort of talk to us about uh, the second, or like why this post, you brought this out. Um, mm-hmm. So this is from an account called The Fat Jewish. Um, mm-hmm. People people will know what's going on here, but like just for the record, I cannot remember much about The Fat Jewish, but this was from an in- uh, for The Fat Jewish on Instagram, uh, but this is like a screenshot of a tweet, and the tweet says, going to start dressing like a lion, that way the cops know that if they kill me, uh, white people will avenge me. And this is a screenshot from, I mean, it's a guy dressed as a lion, and is it from like a? Is it from a film or a show? I, I don't know where it's from. Uh, I think that might just be like from a, a Wizard of Oz yeah. type. Okay. Picture, but it's not like it's not. It, he just found a picture of a of a lion. Uh, it's not that sure. important to the post. Okay. Uh, the reason, yeah. So can you yeah. like tell us like why you brought this and like why? Yeah, like what what's important about it and also why like what what was the fat Jewish or like who is the fat Jewish and so on. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. So the fat Jewish, I, I brought this post up because I generally wanted to talk about like what it's like to be a comedian online mm-hmm. and why I hate it uh, <laughs> and why I, I don't like posting, but I feel like I have to. But um, this post was like the first post that he really... It was known that the fat Jewish steals jokes and and posts them without credit. But this was the first one that he really got in trouble for. Um, it it he took a joke from um, uh, David Magwood, who, who's a comedian, and it was exactly the same tweet. Uh, he just crops out mm. the username and the profile picture and then puts it onto Instagram. And people kept on like going back and forth over whether this is okay, uh, whether, you know, it's just he's curating rather than than writing uh, yeah. was sort of uh, one of the conversations. Mm. Um, and it but like it would be so it would have been so easy for him to just keep in the username if that's the case, like if you're just curating, then just keep in the username yeah. to begin with. But if you do that, if you tag someone, if you give someone credit, it it sort of filters off some of the likes and some of the follows because they will just go directly to the source and mm. follow that person instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this time, the, the Fat Jewish was getting like a lot of attention. He was um, he was like for a little bit the face of Seamless um the the food delivery app uh-huh. he was um he was about to get a special with comedy central and he was getting a lot of influencer uh like sponsorships so he was he was actually making money off of this like he was making a good deal uh-huh. of money off of putting other people's content out there this one though i think like it really stuck out because um He's not black. And this is a right. joke about a very black experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and it was because at the time there was a there was a lion that got hunted by a dentist. I don't remember if you guys remember. Cecil, I don't know if yeah, you guys yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah, 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 Cecil, Cecil, Cecil the lion. Yeah. Yes. Cecil, Cecil the lion. Yeah. Uh, he was hunted and killed and there was a lot of outrage. And this man was making a David was making a a joke about how like it's interesting how much white people are outraged and want to avenge this lion when you know Mm. so many black people get killed in this country all the time and nobody makes that big of a deal out of it uh so mm, I think it was a it was a very stupid joke for him to steal Mm. but um yeah, he it's a it's a I wanted to talk about this post because it's like an example of joke stealing. Mm-hmm. It's also an early example of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. They like um at, from this, he lost his gig with Seamless. He lost his Comedy Central thing. Like you don't really see him online anymore. I looked it up and like his last post strangely was from early last year. I don't know why he was around that long, but he did like he sort of shaped the internet as we know it today. Mm. Like now there are so many meme accounts that do mm. exactly this, like a lot of yeah. curating, just like picking and choosing the, the funniest things they see, the most um, relatable yeah. posts that they see and putting them all in one place and sort of gaining traction off of that. Mm. Mm. 
it's it, yeah. like it's it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because like there are a couple, of, there are a couple of like little like little strands that I think is like are worth pulling out here. And like the first, like the first one is is the curation argument is is bullshit. If you're cur- if you're curating, then you leave the original in. There's like it's, yeah, there's like there's a there's a particular museum. They have the names of the artists. <laughs> yeah, like there's a there's a particular um there's a particular trend of uh for rewriting classic novels in the in the contemporary mm. time and calling them inspired by and they're not inspired oh. by they are they're stolen they're they're stolen it doesn't matter if you are an established novelist or an established writer if you've used somebody else's plot and updated it or put it in a different context you are you're 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 stealing. You're, you're, you're stealing. Yeah, or at absolute best, you're a fan fiction writer. Yes, <laughs> totally. Absolute best. That is that is <clears throat> that is fan fiction. And um, but I'd almost rather they do that than update the original like they're doing with the Roll Doll books. I mean, like honestly, I mean, I. Uh, Full, full disclosure. Like no, no, full, like full disclosure. I don't give a shit about Roald Dahl books. I don't care. Um, I hope he's burning yeah. in hell. Fuck, fuck that guy. I hate him. I fucking, I fucking <laughs> he's hate him. Bad. He's bad for sure. For I, sure. I, 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 fucking, but... I fucking hate him. Um, but like the the like the it like the issue with I think with the with the Roald Dahl rewrites is not that it's like oh it's the woke mind virus. It's that it's it's just his estate trying to get more money out of the books with the reprint that's literally all it is it's just an ip update um books get edited all the time um yes and books get also, up- yeah and books get like updated all the time there's like there is there is a like one i think one of i think is it one of the just william books which has like the kids in the just william book like attacking a jewish shop owner and saying if we were in germany this is what we would do and this book was i think it was either withdrawn or it was like or it was like reissued with like a note being like we know this is fucked and also like the like the 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 ending is is like very kind of oh then they realize that he's that he's a nice guy after all like fine but it's uh it's it's not great it's definitely definitely not great uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't think that books should be perfect and they should reflect the time that they were written in. Yeah, like, and I, I don't know. That- we don't update the adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And like, I, I read that mm. in school with along with the lesson that like the N word is not cool. Like, you shouldn't say this. I know it says it in the book, but like, this is but, what I, I don't I don't think kids would come away from seeing mm. fat written in a book and be like, oh, well, I should make fun of fat people. They just are. I mean, you could have that conversation rather than yeah. just oh, yeah. no, taking no, no. it out oh, no, 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 and sort no, no, of erasing absolutely. history. Like, absolutely, it's one of those. It's one of those. It's one of those things that gets that gets done that actually no one asked for and doesn't really make anybody's life any better or any, or any easier. And it also um, and it also paints. It also has like I think the reverse effect that it's intended to have in that it paints a yeah. tar- in that it paints a target on people on people's back. So yeah, it does. It, so, yeah. It, so it's like it's like when it's like if like a teacher sort of says, "Oh yeah, like we can't do this because it's gonna hurt this kid's feelings," and this one kid is like, "No, it isn't. I don't care. What? No, 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 don't." Because don't. You know, yeah, 
you're making, <laughs> you're, ma- you're, me. making you're making me responsible <laughs> for the decision yeah i mean like i yeah. like i said i think that i honestly don't think that it's necessarily gonna do a child an enormous amount of harm to see uh like the descriptions of ugliness and like honestly like the like the undercurrents that are going on in a lot of Roald Dahl books are they're just like they're still there. This is just like such a this is such a kind of meaningless gesture, but it is just an IP gesture. That's, that's literally yeah. what it is. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. it is. No, it's, it's just it's well, just, it's just because Netflix now owns it and they were going to make TV shows yeah, out of it, and they, they just want to. They want to make. Yeah. They want to make money. And the thing yeah. that I enjoy about it, and this is what I always enjoy about it, which is that it makes the stupidest people imaginable feel like they are put in a position where they have to pretend that they give a shit about children's books. And that to me, (laughs) that to me is very funny. Like when you see like active, like recruiting fascist content creators saying like, yeah, so if you want to be based, you play the Harry Potter game. It's like, oh my God, you fucking loser. You're such a loser. Oh my God. And like, yeah. And like, well, that reminds me of Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, all like the fascists are like, ha- you have to play the, the Harry Potter it's like, game. Yeah, okay, to- cool. That's yeah, good for you. Look, all I'm have say- fun with that. All I'm saying is, I remember when fascists had some self respect. That is all I'm saying. That is all yes. I'm saying. I, I was, remember when, yeah. like, you like, if you're like a kind of like 50 year old Telegraph journalist, you are not being you. You're like. Like once upon a time, if you worked for the Telegraph, like I would not agree with your politics. I would despise your politics. But you were being asked to write about world events and culture and sport, etc. You were not being obliged to pretend that you give a shit what it says in a new version of a child's book. And that to me is one fun thing about the culture war. <laughs> and I actually think it's fine. I think it's fine to force these like these appalling losers to pretend they care about M&Ms. I think that's funny. I, that that to me is funny. Like they're, they're, they're winning on so many fronts in a kind can of I, legislative I, and policy making kind of way. Yeah. Can, can I ask about the M&Ms thing for a second? Like, oh, I, yeah, saw yeah, it, yeah. I saw it from a distance and I was kind of like, no, it can't be like that serious. Like, Oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> they're, they're was, it, was it like, was it genuinely like that serious as like an inflamed culture war issue? That, yeah. Because like, there was some sort of like, there was some faked Tucker Carlson stuff, but there was some stuff that was like, oh no, I thought that was fake, but actually he's being genuine about the idea that like the one of the other things that they have taken from you is like your fantasy to fuck like the green M M&M. and M. That's that, uh, that that happened. Like that was <laughs> yes, fuck me, man. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. People were pretty Ooh. upset about it. Uh, me. I mean, people, but fascists yeah. were pretty upset about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was very funny. Um. And Eminem was like, oh, wow, people are talking about us. This is a very useful marketing campaign tactic. We're just going to make people angry at us from now on. And I think that we're going to see that play out more often now Mm, where they're going to purposefully annoy these people and flame them because it gets it gets their name out there. It was very much like it's very much an observation we make on the show quite often, which is that like. Yeah, the way in which you sort of do well online, or one of the ways that you do well online is to sort of like get people as mad at you as possible. Mm, and yep. like, yeah, that sort of seems to be this thing where I kind of, I sort of think for season, like, yeah, because I, I do like social media consulting every so often. And whenever like a brand or like a company sort of asks, like, how can we sort of do our socials better? I'm just like, yeah, well, 
I, I, I kind of give him serious answers, but in the back of my head, I'm like, you should just post something that makes him furious and like, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, Hot takes. But it's Hot like, takes are the ones that burn. But like, it's somehow it's like, oh, actually, no, this is like the legit way of doing things. Like you just make people furious and you get people to react to like them being furious. And like, that's sort of how the way that the way the way that things go and like, oh, yeah, every everything. I, I mean, I was also thinking about um, in relation to, yeah, in relation to um, what you were saying, Phoebe, about like what <clears throat> like seemingly serious like columnists are now sort of forced to do, uh, where that kind of like plays into. I, I I was thinking about like kind of film reaction accounts, and there's like this one YouTube account called like the Critical Drinker that like shows up on my YouTube feed quite a lot because I watch like you know film essays and stuff like that, and his whole thing and like he's kind of made this like very kind of I imagine quite lucrative career out of um basically kind of getting mad at Marvel films. But he's his mm. whole thing is just like, yeah, Hollywood mm. hates men. And like, you know, here's another example of like the empowered woman, Brie Larson. And like, you know, he's nothing like uh, oh this is nothing like the stuff that Stanley Kubrick was making. And is this kind of like what dude, you just need to... what an interesting choice. Yeah. Well yeah. What yeah, an interesting just like, choice of director. What he'll what he'll do is he'll compare like directors who i guess like we sort of know are like yeah these are good and established you know these are good kind of like directors right or they've made good films or like interesting films and so on and like we can broadly agree that these are sort of interesting films and he'll kind of say oh but if you look at like the films that are made now and then immediately it'll be like the avengers and i don't know every time i watch i'm just kind of like dude you should just watch different films like if you yeah if you, don't if, watch if, those movies if, you, if you're I, a film I really buff like in your thirties, if you're a film buff in your thirties, or you're <laughs> yeah. a satisfied like like why why are you watching marvel films right why are you watching these films that are designed for children i I really like that i think that's i think that's i think that's really funny i think it's really (laughs) funny how he gets so close to like why it is a very very bad thing that disney has this absolute like kind of cultural stranglehold and he and he's like okay so it's a bad thing that the that these are the films coming out and this is like this is a bad thing yes and but then he like but then he just like panics and is like, and it's a bad thing because of the tarts. And it's like, yeah, yeah but okay, fine. Yeah. That's silly though, isn't it? That's silly. And, and, yeah, awesome. It's not a bad thing because yeah. the military industrial <laughs> complex is like completely owning those films. But no, it's a bad thing because yeah. Wonder Woman. But like, I, I, and like, I think, film, yeah. like film criticism now is, I think, like, not just like, not like kind of proper kind of formal film criticism, but like, platform mediated film criticism is like it's so weird to me and i think it's because of like it's like the proliferation of content that means that everything is kind of flattened to a kind of like it's not like it doesn't have the result of being like the product of like millions of brains what it is is just a giant rubbish brain like a big <laughs> one big stupid yeah. rubberized flattened brain that's like taking everything in and like when i was when i was when i was young when i was when when i was 12 (laughs) and being told by a fortune teller that i was gonna die before adulthood like films that were regarded as being uh kind of very very highbrow and the sort of things that only people who are really interested in like kind of film as text watch they were like that was like you know the that was like the proper shit that was like like the kind of the ones of like kind of japanese and korean cinema that was like films made in iran with basically no dialogue that were like seven hours long and were about like a guy who lives on a mountain and he keeps yaks and that was like (laughs) 
that was <laughs> what like a kind of a film person's film is. And now what is deemed to be like so pretentious and so you're just pretending to like it is like the is like the most like anodyne like anodyne middle of the road dramas like that Spielberg film about his like of, like of all people to pick as someone like oh, you're only pretending you like Spielberg are you fucking joking he's one of the most successful <laughs> directors of all time like why are you like why are you acting like that's like sort of doing some kind of Wim Wenders re- retrospective like what it like what are you all at um but yeah I think that's I think that's um a kind of a sort of, sig- sort of like significant aspect of, of the of this stuff. I mean, it is very much I think affected by social media in the way that like posting negatively and the things that make people angry is what gets the most traction is, yeah. because he fell into the classic trap of like, you know, don't talk about the pink elephant. Like instead of being like this uh movie is bad, why don't you say this movie is good? Like bring attention to and highlight the things that you like instead mm. of hi- bringing attention to and highlighting the things that you don't like. And the reason yeah. he is doing it the way that he's doing is because yeah, hate gets more traction online. But he's also like working within the ecosystem and like he's working within the broader media ecosystem, which number one is like, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of designed to kind of like reward more and more sort of reactionary takes and kind of subsequent reactions because this guy, this YouTube guy um, has also now done the rounds on like all the kind of other right wing YouTube, like political YouTube channels with his sort mm-hmm. of like the broader thing of like, you know, uh, movies are kind of like trying to make men more feminine and fe- and w- women more masculine, like all that sort of like kind of like fasc- like fascist bullshit. Um, and, but I think he's also just aware of that because I think the easiest criticism that people have made towards him whenever he's posted the video is like, like, why don't you just watch other films? Like, there are so many films. There are so uh, many why, films. <laughs> why, why, why are you kind of like constantly making films about superheroes when you're sort of in your late thirties, um, and then getting mad at them? Like, what is kind of the end game here? But I think he's a kind of like, and in the same way that these Telegraph journalists and stuff, and like these other sort of reactions are completely aware that like the stuff that they are writing about and talking about is broadly meaningless and like asinine and just kind of like dumb for like people of their age but they're also sort of aware that like that's kind of you know and again i think a lot of that is just to do with like big media channels sort of being beholden to uh you know stuff that like like the like flattened social media climate and algorithms that sort of push that and so you have this sort of it's not to kind of like say that oh you know these guys would be like talking about much more intellectual and like smarter things if it wasn't for them kind of being beholden no, I to. I don't want to know what uh, they think about anything. Like I'm yeah. not interested. Yeah. I'm just. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't. Like, I didn't want. Like, yeah. Like, I didn't want to give them too get, much credit. Get but. mad about your about your superhero films if you if you like. I don't give a shit. I'm not watching. Like yeah. what, you think I'm sitting down and watching a video essay. I have three jobs. Like I'm not. I'm not sitting down and watching watching no video essay i'll tell you that that sounds that sounds like a that sounds like a skill issue to me because i watch it while i do one of my jobs so (laughs) so there you go well i'm not i'm not gonna make i mean these are like i mean those 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 journalists and this guy and like every everybody around doing this sort of thing of getting mad at things on the internet are doing this sort of made-up job uh that's it's not it's not a real job it's not a real gig they just are searching for something that will make people feel so that they'll react yeah. to it 
Yeah. And see what I think. Yeah. I think that's the most of it. It's mm -hmm. like this, this furious um, need to create content to feed the content machine, which sort of brings me to like what I wanted to talk about today uh, is how annoyed I am at social media and how resentful I am that I have to constantly post to be relevant in my mm. field. Um, and I have, I've, I know that like people are like, just, just get off of it. Just quit. And I, I that's not truly an option for me. Mm. Um, if I want to continue being a comedian, I have to post. Mm. I've seen so many friends who are comedians who are successful comedians try to quit social media and then ultimately be like, well, fuck, I have to come back. Cause I have to put, I have to have somewhere where I put where my shows are. And if yeah. I just put it on my website, nobody's going to see that shit. I need to, I need to be like engaged in order to have people know that I have a live show. Like the only reason I'm on social media is to get people to come to live comedy shows. Yeah. That is the reason I'm there. And I feel like I'm, I'm in prison. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so much. Like, cause like, like no one's, no one's checking your website apart from, apart from like immediate family members. Like, let's be, let's be, let's <laughs> yeah. be honest here yeah. about like, and then they message you to say, why haven't you updated your website? It's like, because there's no yeah. point. There's no point, uncle. That's uh, yeah, fine. there's no point. <laughs> there's no point. Um, I'll update my link tree. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so I have, I have, a, I have yeah. a couple of observations to make before, um, before Amber, I'm just going to wind you up and let you go, to be honest with you, because yeah. I feel like you've got some stuff to say about this subject. Um, the first is um, just sort of going back to what we were saying, like right at the start, is that there are two sort of two things at play. There's like, is like, at what point does curating become become stealing, and also like whether or not it is a big deal to steal a joke. Because joke stealing is like it is as old as the profession of comedy. Yeah, like it's, it's like, not a, the internet did not invent joke in, stealing. The, the internet did not, but it, it, it sure made it a lot easier. Um, yes, but also like I feel like I feel like there is a real difference in, uh, shall we say, professionalized joke makers and people who just you know like making jokes, like because. If you say to like the average person, okay, so such and such like stole a joke that has taken me a long time to develop. And like I started the germ of this joke like a year and a half ago. And I finally worked it up into a joke that I'm perfect, that I'm like really, really happy with. And some dickhead <laughs> has put it on their Instagram account. And um, now everyone's going to assume that this is their joke. Like your, 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 average, your average person is going to just be like, so? Like, that's, <laughs> that's, not, a that's not a real problem. But yeah. I would invite people to think of it as a labor issue. If you were consistently having the stuff that you worked on stolen and to the extent that you can no longer use it in a way that you make your living out of, uh, then I think you would very, very quickly stop being like, oh, well, it's just, it's just, it's just stealing a joke. Who cares? You would very, very quickly start to find that very, very irksome. And I, we talked about this in the episode that we did with Rax, but I, I find it very difficult to deal with the way that quite often quite well-paid kind of office-based people react to uh, precaritized, like pre precaritized creative freelancers, um, mm -hmm. 
And they quite often just be like, oh, yeah, but like, anyone can write, can't they? And it's like, no, actually, they can't. They, they cannot. It is, that, is, they that, cannot. Is, that is not true. That ev- like everyone, yeah. everyone, like most people can write to a degree, but writing well is a whole, it's, 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 it's a skill and it is quite often, you know, it's what we've, it's what we've been trained for. So it's, so it's not unreasonable to expect, to expect to be able to kind of retain some kind of ownership over your work. And if you think that you should just be chill with other people stealing your work all the time then like quite honestly like i would invite i would invite you to spend even a second as a freelancer you wouldn't survive a fucking day um and it's and it's always well-paid email job people who say that it's no big deal and you should shut up and stop complaining it always is so so that's my first observation that's my first observation on that the second yes the second one is just based on what you said about uh, what hussein was saying about how important it is to like wind people up. Um, and that's like a good social media strategy. I think that it's a good social media strategy for content for like, if you're part of the kind of self-fulfilling content loop where you're making content for the content framework, and then that's being like, you know, sold back to you, but it's not, I don't think it's a good strategy for brands because it, it's, it's going to get, it's going to get your your socials in front of a lot of people's noses, but I don't think that it creates either new customers or does anything about customer retention. Mm-hmm. And that's what brands are trying to do with their social strategies. So if you do get a brand asking you how to do their socials, I wouldn't recommend telling them to wind people up because I don't think that works very well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So why don't you, Amber, why don't you tell us a bit about how you got into comedy, how the landscape has changed, like in the time you've been doing it. Um, like is the, is the kind of the, is the, the social presence being a, like being just like an absolute necessity for like jobbing comedians. Now, is that like, is that recent or is that like, or is that been like coming, coming down the pipeline a long time? Um, yeah, I've, uh, okay, so I, I got into comedy in New York. I've been doing comedy stand-up uh, just over 10 years now, um, which is normal. Like everyone from from the start, everyone told me you you won't have much success until you've done it like 10 years. If you do, it's sort of a fluke. Um, it's It's just not a thing that you get into that you get paid immediately it never it it hasn't been at least for a very long period of time if if ever um so you have to have other jobs um or you have to be a uh rich kid um mm-hmm. i was the the first i i had other jobs all the time and that's like that's a huge part of it because you you don't have a lot of time to dedicate to your craft and like writing is is something that takes time and skill and work and crafting a joke takes you know sitting and writing and then trying it out and then sitting and writing again and then trying it out and then sitting and writing again like it it takes a long time um you know as you as you go as i've gone i've gotten better and better doing it quickly and writing on the go and you sort of learn what works for you and what doesn't. Um, but 
It is a skill. Uh, and it, it is it is upsetting when when people steal jokes. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's fucked. And it does. And I do think it is a labor issue. I do think that like it lowers the rate of pay in general. Yeah. Uh, social media lowers the rate of pay because we are generally giving out free material all the time um, without people having to come to a show. But um, yeah, social media has been a part of it the whole time. I mean, you had to have Facebook when I first started out because you had to, you know, post events in in Facebook. You also social media like at the beginning, it felt like it was really, really necessary because people wouldn't know how to reach out to you without social media. They wouldn't know how to book you if you didn't have Facebook or Instagram yeah. later on. Um, but uh, it's not, it didn't feel like it was as important to put out live, like video mm. material. That seems a little bit more recent. Like I would say even the pandemic might've like highlighted it a little more because there was more virtual shows um, and there was just more you, you didn't get to see people in person as often. People didn't go out as often. So you needed some way to reach them. So more people started posting um, first person uh, POV videos. And that's that's great. I, I love seeing them and I love the creative ways people do them. But it does feel like a certain there's a certain expectation. And I don't mm. think that's the type of comedian that I am. And I feel resentful of like being like being forced to be that type of comedian i'm i'm a live i'm a live comedian i i like to do live shows i'm not like in this to get a uh tv writing job i'm not in this to like start a like you know have a movie i'm in it to to do live comedy in front of people i want to like you know tour around the world actually doing comedy for live audiences. I think that's what's beautiful about comedy is like actually seeing live people and uh, seeing the way that your life and your material uh, makes them react. The, yeah. the way that, you know, the connection to other human beings. And it just, I know that online you're connecting to people technically, but through <laughs> the internet, it's all fucked. <laughs> mm. Sorry, who's saying? Do you have something to ask? Yeah, I was going to ask about like what were your thoughts on sort of what humor on the internet sort of is because I guess I sort of noticed I I don't come from like comedy background, uh, but I sort of am kind of adjacent. I've done like writers' rooms and everything, uh, mm-hmm. and I kind of started writing kind of comedy bits uh, during the pandemic, and mm-hmm. uh, like the show that I was sort of trying to write stuff for. None of I think one of my jokes made it into like it was like a BBC Radio like four extra thing. So like kind of um, I don't know how to describe it to uh, to people who don't live in the UK, but I guess like for like be starting like comedy writers who are starting out or do one offs, like it's a show where you can kind of showcase that. And one of the things that they I found quite difficult was like translating like humor that I sort of saw online with like writing actual writing like an actual like kind of structured comedy like a, a structured joke. And at the yeah. same time, I guess like one of the questions I also have is about how like different mediums, whether they be like podcasts, whether it be maybe Twitter accounts, whether they be like, 
because I, on, I I remember in the writing in the writers group there was one um, person who called herself a comedian, but she had never done any stand up. So all her comedy oh. was just like Instagram lives, and also she had like an Instagram account, which was really just like again, it was very much like curation and I think TikTok reactions and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I just kind of wondered that as like if was uh, if you're like a stand up comedian and you have to sort of like adapt to or like you've been forced to sort of like adapt to an internet culture. And uh, how has that sort of affected the way in which you sort of like write jokes and also like the way in which you sort of like consider yourself as a kind of comedian? Is there like, do, 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 does, does like the comedy circuit, for lack of a better term, do they acknowledge that like doing stand up comedy is very different to like internet comedy or have they kind of, or are there pressures to be like, well, the stuff that works online and the stuff that kind of like makes more money? Uh, has like a very has a different logic to the way in which like stand up is done. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, no, it does make sense. It does have a different logic to me. Um, and I, I, but I do think there is pressure to to be that type of comedian, the online type of comedian. That's very um. Well, I would say my joke writing on Twitter is different than my joke writing on the stage. Uh, I will sometimes like take like a little bit of a joke and put it on Twitter, but Twitter is um, meaner than, than who I am on stage. And sometimes like my family will look at my Twitter and they'll say like, you're, you don't, you seem like a different Amber on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, that's the, that's the medium. <laughs> it does. It, it does make you come across meaner. I mean, you can't see facial expressions, so you can't really like, uh, sometimes my comedy is like saying something mean, but smiling while I'm saying it, that doesn't come yeah. across on Twitter. It's just saying something mean then. Um, but it in, um, for for booking well okay so there is a lot of pressure to be an online comedian to to be a tiktoker or to be like to have a larger following and sort of go along with what gets you a larger following because you'll get booked on more shows if you have a larger following mm-hmm. um because the idea is that you'll bring more people with you you'll get a bigger audience and that's not false like when I book shows, I do oftentimes look for a couple people that have a really large following. Mm. Sometimes that's on TikTok and that will get people to come out to the shows. But I like to also, you know, bring in people who I know from being at mics with them or at other shows are genuinely funny live and are really good at um, interacting with the audience. That's the other thing that's like new that's come up a lot more is you have to put videos of yourself doing uh crowd work. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't I don't care for that little trend because Yeah, me neither. <laughs> because um I don't I don't go and see live com- like com- live comedy very much. There was a period of time when I was working. I was working at the BBC so I had to go so I had to like go and see lots and lots of stand up and I'll tell you what I'll tell you this for nothing um it is e- even seeing like relatively kind of established London comedians at the moment. That is that is punishing. It is a punishing way of way of spending your time. Um, but I don't think it is cool to 
film strangers and post them on the internet. I think I understand, oh, yeah. like, I understand that I understand that crowd work is like a, a very, very necessary part of particularly of like mixed bills. Like I do understand that. Um but part of the reason that people go to comedy shows, they go to enjoy them. They go to yeah. have like a nice time and they are not going necessarily with the assumption that they might end up on this person's Instagram quite often um, with their face, with their voice, quite often with like their name, their job. And I understand why comedians feel like they have to do it. But there was a there was a, a situation a little bit ago where somebody um, really kind of did like quite a kind of smackdown on the audience member. And it was ve- and she was very, very easily identifiable. And she also had a, a job title that made her very easy to find. And so this comedian's followers had found this young woman and were harassing her. And so oh, she God. contacted him and asked him to take it down. And he uh, published the message that she sent him. Oh my god! And I was like, "You fucking piece of shit! You, you absolute piece of shit!" And then he did this whole kind of like, "Oh, like, oh, like, obviously, like, I don't support like sending like gross stuff to this woman. Like, obviously not. Like, oh, you know, why, like, why can't you just be chill?" And it's like, "Look, you are a comedian who operates online. You know full fucking well what was going to be the consequence for this person." for posting this material yeah. don't don't act brand new now and yeah it, it made me it, yeah. made, it made me very it made me very angry um i have a couple i have a couple of questions that would make me very angry i'm sorry just crowd work i i hate it i <laughs> hate it when comedians are mean to the audience um i don't think it ends up being very funny uh, no it's not and like, i i like produce shows and i want people to fucking come back to shows so anyone, don't pick off my audience members anyone can be a dickhead <laughs> to a stranger like people think mm. that there's like people think that like answering a heckler um or um or doing or doing kind of like or doing like kind of aggressive crowd work is like some kind of like some kind of skill it's not a skill literally no Nine times out of ten, all you got to do is tell the person you're talking to they look like a pedophile. Everyone will laugh. It's like yeah. it's it's like it's it's hack work. It's fucking hack work yeah. is what it is. Um, you look like a thumb. You look like, uh, you, look like a, yeah. you look like a thumb, my friend. <laughs> but that's yeah. No, that, I, that, I that's totally the, that's agree. The amber judgment. You thumb. <laughs> you. I mean, it's a great it's a great insult. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. a good insult. Uh, I, I yeah, I hate it when when audio when people are mean to my audience as like their crowd work uh hecklers are a different thing whenever i talk to a heckler after a show they're like they're like oh i thought you know it's helpful i thought this is like what like the comedians want so they have something to react to like people have legitimately told me this it with a serious look on their face and i'm like i this is not helpful no comedian ever wants you to heckle them that is not we have our own material to talk about. We don't need oh, your help in this area. That is, yeah. What an extraordinary thing to think. 
Yeah. And that's like the people who go to a comedy show to be seen. And I think what you're talking about, the majority of people go to a comedy show to, you know, sort of the same way that you go to a theater. You get to sit in the dark. You don't have like the full attention on you. You get to consume something and be in a social situation, but you're not like on. And that's that's fun and and a, a fun way of like, yeah, it's being like, social like it's it's supposed it's supposed to be fun yeah yeah it's supposed to be (laughs) and i think if you're not yeah and i think the social media requirement kind of Mm. drains all the fun out of it this is these are the questions i have to ask you the first one is um like i absolutely know about the oh like the the how many followers do they have it's going to get people to show up like i'm very familiar with this um because Mm -hmm. this is this happens a lot in publishing as well there's this one there's this thing where they where they sort of say okay so um can you demonstrate your existing audience and like admittedly because i I write literary fiction, so it's like not that. I mean, like if I if I like if I was like um like the child of a uh, say a well known director and wanted to write very long captions on Instagram about like cellulite being empowering, um then <laughs> yes I would have to demonstrate that I had like enough Dumbo followers who would be willing to buy whatever whatever garbage I vomited out. Admittedly, in like in like fiction publishing of the sort that I'm of the sort that I do is is it's less it's less significant but they do ask mm-hmm. they do ask and I in fact I had a meeting with my agent literally just this week saying like I know you haven't finished your rewrites and we are not on submission yet but I'm going to need you to start thinking about um about like what kind of like marketing strategy you'd like and I was like I I don't know don't they have people that do that I don't want, I don't want to do, I don't, I don't want to do that. And she said, yeah, but you know, you have to sort of start thinking about um, like who you might want to do events with, like who your like contact, like who your contacts are, who you can like ask for blurbs and, and that kind of thing. And I was like, but is this really like something that I am required to do? And she said, mm. and she said, uh, she said, I don't know. She said, I don't know what you're complaining about. You have like an audience. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not complaining, but I'm just like, yeah. Like, she didn't put it like that. She was extremely nice about it. Yeah. She, was just, she was just like, um, she was just like, but you, you, you have an audience, so like this, is, so this is fine. And she's like, you don't, have, you, don't have, like, you don't have nothing to show them. And I was like, yeah, but th- that it shouldn't be necessary. I shouldn't have to say to these people. Also, I'm friends with so and so, and they will agree to do an event. Uh, like, they will agree to do an event with me because you have a marketing department. That is, that's their job. They have salaries. Yeah. Make them do it. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah, this isn't the first time I've heard this type of story. Like, but I, I know like other writers who, uh, and it, yeah, both like fiction and nonfiction, although mostly like sort of fiction writers uh, for whom like they've either sort of said, actually, even like people who have come to us and they've been like, oh, can like, I'm just wondering whether like I can talk about my book on like one of your podcasts uh, because like my marketing guy like sucks and, doesn't really know yeah. like what to do and that sort of seems to be like this kind of broader thing as well where and I, again i don't know like i think if, if anyone like uh i know who does work in sort of like the marketing department of like books and stuff has more insight on this i'd be really interested i mean to hear like like it. honestly like they are incredibly like overworked and underpaid yeah. and being expected to do more with less like my, it's, my, it's really yeah. only very very senior people in publishing houses who are making any money or my, um and they yeah. and they can just and they just sort of say stuff like but like because because you, you do see people exaggerating it as well like i saw someone the other day saying like oh yeah i couldn't get a book deal until i had a million followers on instagram and it's like yeah no that's mm-hmm. just not true that's 
that's just not the case. I mean, if you're writing a good book, then if you're, <laughs> if you're writing a, a a bad book, then maybe then maybe you need those million yeah. followers. But, but I think there is also don't. something about like publishing house where I've sort of heard about you know, and actually, it's, you know, you've heard about it. Like, I think it's like sort of well documented where um you will sort of find uh on the one hand like the authors that are sort of being offered like very kind of lucrative and like high sum book deals are often like very very popular on social media first of all mm. and then are sort of like you I, know, think, all they'll, I, I think yeah, it depends all... it depends a lot what mm. kind of book like i mean like i think that it i think that in order to stop myself from going fully mental i have to see um i have to see publishing as being divided into very very significant like kind of tranches which have like nothing to do with each other so like i can't get worked up about like colleen hoover or whatever because we don't write the same kinds of books we don't have the right we don't have the same kind of audience and Mm. i am not targeting like a tiktok audience because yeah sorry amber you're about to say something no no i i think that this is again another labor issue like it does come down to you know asking more and more of the artists and mm. be, and like trying to squeeze as as much as possible out of them and that happens to i think stand-ups are the are some of the some of the people where this is highlighted the most and it's like magnified the most because we are already a, a type of person who writes your own material like acts it out uh you know markets yourself um it like promotes yourself like we're already used to doing that because we start out as individuals and so to like be able to make the transition into a space where you're not doing everything for yourself is already a leap but now more than ever it's like becoming it's like we're we're being hit from both sides like we're trying to like work our way up this mountain of like being like can someone please like help help me but then like they're coming down the mountain being like no no no, artists need to do like more and more and more and more and more for yourself um and it's it's squeezing everyone into this tiny little space where the only people can do it are people who already have a a ton of money and a ton of resources um but i would say that like the joke stealing does bother me the like Mm. the only sure it was so like this the reason i brought up this post from the fat jewish is because he it's the first sort of example the internet had where they could really point at it Mm. because he was a large account he was making money off of it and he clearly stole the joke it was an exact screenshot of exact wording a lot of times when jokes get stolen it's um it's the idea of the joke. It's like slightly rephrased. And um, a lot of times it's a small comedian and it's a like comedy television show that has stolen the the joke mm-hmm. or idea. I've had a lot of friends who like have had their jokes that they've put online. Then um, you s- see like the premise come up on on an SNL sketch and you're like, what? well, yeah. You can't really say they stole it, but this was like a viral tweet and like this is the next week mm. and mm. like mm, it, probably, but they can still claim like parallel thinking. They can still claim like, you know, it's just an idea. Yeah, it's or, it's or a they, free or, for all. Or they can, or they can yeah. say, oh, it's like, it's not such a like an insanely unusual mm. concept that, that yeah. two people w- can't have come yeah. up with it. It's like, yeah, but also you feel you follow me and you retweeted it and then you (laughs) yeah yeah and then you wrote it so wait so i think 
like it follows um so i have two i have two anecdotes about jokes and then i'm going to go back to ask you asking you the question that i was okay halfway through asking you before i got oh sorry got, i'm sorry no, no 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 it's absolutely my fault because you didn't distract me i distracted myself talking <laughs> about something entirely different that's what happened there the first one is and i don't know if this is the same with us comics because i I was talking about this to uh, Josh Gondelman. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, great, great guy. Yeah, I love Josh. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about like what um, kind of comedians are kind of like as a kind of culture in the kind of UK and, and, and in the States. And I said that one of the things that's really weird about if you socialize with comedians here, uh, that they're quite often very, very boring not all of them obviously 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 um mm-hmm. they're quite often very boring um because they are absolutely terrified that somebody is going to steal a joke so like they don't like they don't like chatting and riffing in case someone steals their jokes really um, yeah and like and that's I, why they're boring i mean i've seen boring comedians because they're they're boring they're not like you know they're not people who are on and i honestly consider myself one of these people that i'm like i write jokes uh, and perform them on stage because sometimes I'm too shy in like a social interaction to oh. do it. But that's like that, sorry. That's, 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 that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. Yeah. What I mean yeah. like no, different. You, yeah. There's a, definitely a particular kind of person who they're just like Meh, they're just keeping it zipped. Yeah. And I was talking um, a couple of Edinburghs ago. I was talking to um, a comedian who I who I sort of very very vaguely knew, um, and I made this joke about how like about how in terms of like kind of the worst people on earth like comedians are absolutely like top then it's actors then it's writers yeah. and like because so i was like you know i'm you know i'm i'm saying writers are bad you're riffing of course writers are bad. yeah you're I, was riffing. I was joking around yeah and he was just like why are comedians the worst and i said oh because they've got um all of the self-importance of writers all of the uh, need for attention of actors and they're scared of it <laughs> they're, they're like scared of like behaving normally in case somebody steals their material and he was just like, see, I don't care. Someone someone steals my joke. I don't even care. I'll just write a new one. And I was like, okay, first of all, I'm clearly just kidding around. I, yeah. what, you think I, what, you think I'm a psycho? You think I go up to strangers and say, you know what? You're the fucking worst, mate. <laughs> like, no, like, obviously not. I was just joking. Um, yeah. But the funny coda to that is I saw this guy perform and he died very, very significantly because his jokes were all just like, I would hesitate to say they were homophobic jokes. They were more just homophobic remarks. And I was like, this is why no one steals your jokes, my friend, because because you you suck because you are a bad joke writer. That is why. That's bad. And the the second one was like a few years ago, I was like doing bits and pieces of stand up, like not in a kind of a, not Mm. in for, you know, for for a route into anything more just because I was, doing quite a lot of comedy writing and I was sort of wondering about yeah. kind of doing more of it. And I thought it was a good way of kind of keeping my hand in. Good exercise. The, yeah. And I yeah. thought like, it's a good way of like testing out a joke, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just like, and also like, why not? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I the, say everyone should try it. I'm yeah, like, yeah, like, like, oh, anytime people say that they want to try it, some comedians will be like, no, stay away from it. Don't do it. It like first, well, it's not fun. And I could agree, but, uh, 
but, but I, I think everybody has like five minutes at least, yeah, you know, think, yeah, and, 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 and like di- and, and dying on and dying on stage, I think is a really, really useful exercise for like, <laughs> yeah, everyone true, to go through because everyone does it yeah. like it, like it's, it's going to happen like sooner or later. And once you do it and it's survive and you survive it, then I think that's, I think it's a very good thing yeah. for, your, for your character in general. So I was like doing bits and pieces of it and I wrote a joke that I was very proud of, um, yeah. And I told a friend who is a comedian, a working uh-huh. comedian, like a successful working comedian, and she fucking stole it. <gasps> and I've never mentioned it to her. Oh no. But I was you know so it. angry because like I, I I okay, like it I'm just I'm going to tell you the joke because okay. it there's just no way. There's just no way that she just came up with this. It's literally just uh, you, you're presumably familiar with um, uh, Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. No, I'm not. I'm oh, so sorry. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm not good with celebrity names. I'm no, sorry. They, oh, ooh, they were not celebrities. Okay. They were. Um, oh, who are they? They are a pet. They're now both. They're now both dead. They were a pair of serial child killers. Oh, awful. Um, and okay. They, and they killed like a bunch of children in like the kind of like I think like the like the seventies. Um, okay. And the bad, bad people, yes, bad, very, very, very bad people. <laughs> and the story always was that uh, it was all Ian Brady's idea, and Meyer Henley was in love with him, and was kind of you know was kind of in his like was was in his was in his thrall. Following him, yeah. That was like, mm-hmm. and that was her defense in court. This is the setup of the joke that her defense in court mm-hmm. was, yes. you know was you know he like he made me do it i was you know i was in his thrall um and then the punchline is men taking credit for women's work again (laughs) (laughs) yes and yeah you're right there's there's it's very unlikely that she came up with that because um because why would you is talking about these these like serial killers not like, like a contemporary case no um, no, it's not a contemporary reference. It's not things that people are talking about. That's why I write weird, like sort of animal fact kind of jokes sometimes. Because I'm like, well, nobody can steal yeah, this. Exactly. I mean, I'm the only one exactly. talking you make about them, this. Make them, make yeah. them theft proof. Um, yeah, I, yeah, or like talk about yeah, yeah experiences that only I have had. So like nobody can talk about it. But jokes are supposed to be relatable. So that ends up biting you in the butt sometimes too. And I'll t- and I'll tell you what it's made me think differently about about her and it's also made me like it and it sucks as well because it means that i'm like i feel weird like joking around her now in case she like brings out a fucking yeah. notebook um yeah you can yeah, always tell I mean, if she there's... says if she says something's funny without laughing that that's how you know she actually thinks it's funny and it's like oh no i see you i see you <laughs> <laughs> uh that um that is okay so i know comedians who do like use their like i I'm not going to say who, but I know comedians who use their friends as sort of like joke fuel. Like Ugh. they, they, uh, they'll, they'll steal their friends' jokes at only, you know, non-comedians' jokes. And they think that's like fine as long as they've said it, um, you know, around them and th- they heard it. And it, I don't know. They think it's fine because they're not a working comedian and, and they, and they are a working comedian, but, I don't think that's cool. Even if if I did, I would ask 
I would have to ask my friend. I would be like, oh my God, that is so funny and works really perfectly and like fits in this set that I'm trying to find like a thing for. Could I use that? Mm. Um, But I would never just steal it. And I live in fear of accidentally uh, stealing a joke, like accident, like someone saying something to me and it like sticks in the back of my head. And then like, and then like thinking that I wrote it, I, I live in fear of accidentally doing that. It's like something that gives me real anxiety. Yeah. I think think that makes sense, but it's, I think it speaks very highly of your character that this this is something that bothers Mm. you. I think a lot of people just don't give a shit. Um, the question I was going to, the question I was going to ask is this is something that Mm. I'm interested in because this is definitely something which people who work in publishing um, just cannot get to grips with. They cannot get to grips with somebody clicking follow or someone clicking retweet or fave or whatever is a low stakes and free activity. And it doesn't necessarily translate to book purchasing like admittedly oh, it yeah. means that there are like more people who are going to see the marketing of said book but just because you have hundreds of thousands of followers it does not mean those are hundreds and thousands of people that are going to buy your book and um pu- and publishing houses can't accept this piece of information so they just go oh well this is just this is a million sales right there it's like no that's no 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 loves darling can you please just Hire somebody who understands how this works. It's me. Hire me and I will tell you how this works. (laughs) Um, So I am interested in whether or not people who follow TikTok comedians come to live shows or whether they think of it as like a kind of different thing. Mm. Um, I will say more, more people. Okay, so I have more experience between instagram and twitter even though i am on tiktok i am like not good at it um, but i okay so instagram and twitter i will say more people who engage with me on twitter will come to shows mm-hmm. versus the people who engage with me more people who engage with me on instagram sorry will come to shows versus the people who engage with me on twitter they okay. are less likely to come out um and like pr- even though i have a lot fewer followers on Instagram if I like promote a show on there it it does a lot more good in getting mm-hmm. actual actual butts and seats than if I put it on Twitter where I have you know 10 times the amount of followers um TikTok the the people who I've booked who are you know do like front-facing character videos that have large followings on TikTok do actually translate into people coming out. Um, But, you know, it's still like 10 people coming out. It's not, you know, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna fill a room just on that. Maybe if they did a, they did a hour somewhere, it, it would fill a room. Um, But it's not, Mm. it's not going to make or break a a showcase lineup sure. the amount mm. of the amount of people that come out i would say like the mm, if 100 people retweet your your show promotion 10 10 people are going to come mm-hmm. from that okay mm. 
It was like ten to one sort of situation. Is that is that the same like across the states? Would you say, or like is it is it really only LA, or is it like New York and LA, or? Uh, that's definitely New York and LA. Um, clubs in like Wisconsin or even Chicago, which has like a big comedy scene, or um, New Orleans. Like those are other places that I performed. They like they their own marketing does it like their own club marketing gets people to come out. I think Mm. it's a lot Mm. easier to get people to come out to live shows in those places because they have less options. Like New York and LA are so comedy saturated that there's just so many options of shows that you can go to. And chances are, if you're anywhere like, in or around the scene you have friends on multiple shows on any given night mm. Mm. yeah no no i think that's that's that, that's definitely the same in london as well i am very conscious that we yeah have, i was about to say talking, we've, we've, we've basically yeah. we've basically run out of time and amber needs to be allowed to go i do yeah. i have like i have like yeah. five more questions so what i <laughs> so what i would really like to do is just like get you back on for a part two I, at some yeah point. i was gonna say <laughs> just to, i was gonna say i have like sorry. a bunch too but like yeah, I feel like it's if a I big ask, topic. Yeah, if it's I ask them a, now, it'd be topic. like, well, yeah, you couldn't really condense in a few minutes. So yeah, let's. Yeah. We, we'd love to have you back on. Uh, that'd yeah, be a lot of I'd fun. love to come back on. So yeah, it's, yeah, it'll be um, it's something I can rant about forever. I will say, right. um, the the last thing I would want to say yeah, is that I, and I feel like I kept on starting to say this, but then I never finished because <laughs> I kept on distracting myself. <laughs> I, the stealing the jokes does bother me. Mm. But what really bothers me is the way social media steals my time where I could write more jokes. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that applies to so oh. many like, Oh, well, haven't you just summed up <laughs> my yeah. my working life experience? Yeah. In, a, yeah. in a pithy... I don't even want to thank you anymore because you just yeah. gonna have to go and go. <laughs> maybe, go yeah, you made me, realize, <laughs> made me realize some things. I'm going to like, oh, you know, my sorry. plan, I'm, I'm going to head home and we're like, yeah, I'm going to use my half an hour commute to like read a good book if I've got in my bag and I absolutely know that I'm just going to go on my phone uh, and then really oh, regret no. it afterwards. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing, I'm thinking some things, hopefully I won't make that call, but um, yeah, we do have to wrap up, unfortunately, but we are excited to uh, have you back, uh, Amber, uh, pretty soon. But until then, if people want to like follow your stuff or like uh, steal some of your jokes, how can they do that? <laughs> yeah, if you want to see the stuff that I'm really resentful about writing online, uh, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter or fuck TikTok. Um, I'm at Amber C. Rollo on all of those. Um, and if you want to listen to my podcast about trash culture, you can follow that at Low Culture Boil. Uh, and, you know, if you follow me on social media and you live in L.A., come to a live show. I would love to see you there in person. I'm really nice. Nicer than I am online, honestly. <laughs> you should definitely do that. Yeah. If you're in L.A., if you like want to fly out to L.A., like go do that. Oh, yeah, do be, that. Be a fun night out. Um, or tell me, tell me a show. Tell me your city and maybe I'll come there. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, all, let's see. All, all let's options. get Amber to do a Europe, like a European tour. Amber, Sounds please, great. please do a European tour. <laughs> I would love to do a come European to Lo- tour. Come to London. You can come and stay with me. Okay. Okay. Ooh, that's you, fun. you said it, though. I'm going to take you up on it. Yeah, do it. Do it. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but on that note, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I have no plugs. Uh, Phoebe, do you want to plug anything before we're out? Um, 
I was gonna I was gonna suggest subscribing to my Substack while but maybe no actually no do no do and then while I'm working out how I'm gonna be making best use of the space um I realize I haven't been using it very much because trying to kind of fit it in with aforementioned three jobs is getting a little bit Mm -hmm. um like at what point am I actually supposed to be doing it and mm. I don't and I've also developed a kind of I've developed a bit of a phobia about writing stuff for my Substack because I don't want to just like like toss stuff off without like really thinking about it but also I don't really have the time to be kind of writing proper stuff for it but I just need to get over the first one and just subscribe yeah yeah just, just look publish. just subscribe so yeah, subscribe subscribe to that it's a uh, phoeberoy.substack.com give, yeah give Phoebe your email like you know, that's really the yeah, main thing. Just, I'm not going to use it. For, I'm not going to use it for anything weird. I promise. <laughs> um, give it to the bot. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're giving it. We, we made a deal with the abuse bot. We're going to give it to the abuse bot. Um, no, we aren't going to do that. Uh, I promise you, we're not going to do that. Uh, but do subscribe to Substack anyway, because I do the, the pieces that you have uploaded, Phoebe. I've really enjoyed. Other Thank people have you. really enjoyed them. They're pretty good. Um, and uh, this show is produced by Devon. Follow them at Devon underscore on Earth if you don't already. Also, listen to Kill James Bond if you don't already. It's a very good podcast that Devon does with uh, uh, Alice and uh, Abigail Thorne. It's uh, yeah, it's an, it's enjoyable. We have a lot of good, lot all the pods, all the pods in this network. Just listen to them, um, and uh, you know, it's a great accompaniment to do stuff. With, it's a great, it's better than being online, is what I'm going to say. Oh, <laughs> note, At least um, you can like walk or cook or something while you're listening. To yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we're going to close out. So uh, yeah, until next time, have a good one and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.